Is it Sylvia Fowles' last week? Attention must be paid. Locked on women's basketball starts now. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, hi there, everyone, and happy Tuesday to you. I am Howard Magdal, founder and editor of The Next, women's basketball newsroom. You can see all the work we do at thenexthoops.com. And I want to thank you for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribing anywhere you can get your podcasts, YouTube as well. You are going to get basketball of the women's variety Every single weekday, just a ridiculous luxury brought to you by me and more important by the staff of the next who does such incredible work. We are here today to talk about Sylvia Fowles. I'm going to lead you off with some stats, with some understanding of where she is in the pantheon of WNBA greats. We're going to hear from Sylvia herself. She spent a bunch of time talking to those of us in the media who were happy to ask her questions. I was able to lead off, ask her a few, and we also finished up asking her a few as well. And then we're going to talk about the week ahead for Sylvia Fowles and how it might just all be falling into place for a storybook ending, which I think we all know Sylvia Fowles deserves. But the place I want to start is Sylvia Fowles has talked about this, about the attention that is paid and the fact that she hasn't really gotten the same amount of attention in her career as some other primary players, as say Diana Taurasi or Sue Bird, just to name a couple. And there's no question. There are a lot of reasons for that. Race definitely plays a role. There's no question about that either. But I think it's also worth noting that if you look closely, there's very little arguing with the numbers. I'm a numbers guy. And so my favorite number as it relates to Sylvia Fowles is a pretty simple one. 73.17. What is that? That is her career win shares. Career win shares. Sylvia Fowles is now second all time in win shares. Demetri Catchings, who I believe has a pretty airtight argument for the best player of all time in this league, is at 93.66. Lauren Jackson has been in that number two spot for a very long time at 73.03. Sylvia Fowles is now ahead of Lauren Jackson, second all time. To me, you clearly can make the argument for Sylvia Fowles as the best center in the history of the league. And it's astonishing here in what is her final season, age 36, playing through a knee injury, that Sylvia Fowles is having a Sylvia Fowles season. This is just what she does. She's shooting 63.4% from the field. She was at 64 last year. She was above 60 for most 
of her Minnesota years and at exactly 60% for her career. She is the best rebounder in the history of the league. If you go by total rebound percentage, she's fourth. If you go by defensive rebound percentage, she's tops. She's grabbed more of them than anyone. She scores, she rebounds, she blocks shots. Her block percentage, 10th all time, and she's right there. She steals in a way that you wouldn't typically expect from a five, but she does. She gets into passing lanes. She's smart. She understands it. By the way, that field goal percentage I quoted you, that's the best field goal percentage in the history of the league. So she just, she's not just a classic five. She's a five who does everything that you could ask a five to do, and she does it better than anyone's ever done it. So Sylvia Fowles will be missed when her career ends. Let's get into some of what Syl had to say to all of us. Now I'm going to come back to you. We're going to talk a little bit more about what it meant to cover Sylvia Fowles and what it meant and what it means the week ahead, how we could be looking at a story about book ending. I'm Howard Megdahl. This is Locked On Women's Basketball. Reason she wanted, a critical reason she wanted to come back was specifically to play with you. I'm just wondering how meaningful that is and what you think that says about what you've been as a teammate throughout your career. Uh, it says a lot that she was willing to risk a lot, especially just coming after three months. Uh, Men have fought about this for a very long time because I really didn't want her to come back uh, because I felt like it was unsafe. Uh, but she ensured me that she was fine and that she was taking everything into consideration. And at the end of the day, um, I just appreciated her and her will to just get back on the court to be able to play with me my last year. And just unrelated, but I'm curious, as I'm sure you've uh, taken some time to think through the highest of the high moments you've had. What is it? What's the number one moment for you in the, over the course of your playing career? Um, I actually haven't thought about it. Um, maybe when I have time to sit, when this is all said and done, uh, maybe I think about those things. But um, for the most part, if I had to choose anything today, I definitely say just being in the presence of my teammates. Thanks, Sil. Appreciate your time. We'll go over to Patrick. Go ahead. Hi, Sil. How are you? Hey, Pat. Hey, um, I wanted to ask you about your next career uh, in mortuary science. Um, you're, you're a person who, who, lo- who loves people. You have a lot of empathy. I'm just wondering, uh, what about that particular field appeals to you? Uh, just interacting with the families. And I think it's always a good thing to have a family member see their last one in a good way, but they last going. And I think that's very important. Okay. I think we talked about this a little earlier. You, uh, you still have to take your mortuary boards, right? Yes. So the rest of your education is all is all taken care of. Correct. And I think you told me that you have uh, two job offers waiting for you in Florida. Is that correct? Yes, but everything is on hold as of now. Until what uh, what what uh, what's going to determine what what your next step is? Um, just how the season goes and how I feel after the season and things like that got to play into consideration. So right now everything is just on pause until we figure out what we're trying to do as a team. Okay. Thanks, Sil. Thank you.
Hi, Syl. Thanks for doing this. How do you know now is the right time for you to retire? Um, I knew last year when I didn't want to work out <laughs> and being basketball shape was the right time for me. Uh, being in shape is one thing, but being in basketball shape is something totally different. And when I got to that point where workouts was just getting harder and harder and you too, you take into consideration how many times I've been hurt over the last couple of years too. So I try to think about those things and factor those things into the equation. And I, I just don't think physically I want to do it to my body anymore. That's how I knew. We'll go over to Michelle. Go ahead. Yeah, so I wonder, what do you think is the, the future of the center position specifically in, in women's professional basketball, especially when you see some of the young centers who are coming up? You've been the standard bearer um, as a center for a long time. Where do you, where do you see that going? hopefully uh, re-evolving itself. Uh, I think we have some good fives out there who play with their back against the, the basket, but they also look for nest. So hopefully we can get a couple of post players in here to reestablish themselves at the center position. That would be great. Thank you. Go ahead, Kent. Hey, Phil. I, I saw recently in the New York Times, you talked a little bit about how frustrating it is sometimes to, uh, to, to work so hard and maybe not get the recognition that maybe some others get. Um, and I know that can be very, very frustrating for you. Um, I was wondering if you feel like you've kind of gone to some length to maybe change that a little bit and, and where and, and what do you think can, needs to be done to maybe address that issue? Um. Me personally, I, I haven't done anything besides just continue to play the way I'm capable of playing. Um, I try to not to speak on it because sometimes I feel like that's more frustrating than anything trying to get your point across when you've done so much and been so dominant throughout your career. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I take it in stride and I just continue to work uh, because I feel like at some point my hard work is going to go noticed. And so that's how I look at it. Locked on Women's Basketball is brought to you by Built Bar. Look, there's a lot of aspects of 2022 that are, let's say, not ideal. But let me tell you what is, that Built Bar Puffs exist. They have a new favorite for us and for you as well. It's Cookie Dough Chunk Puff, a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course covered in 100% real chocolate. This morning, I was taking my daughter uh, to camp. And I said, you know, what do you want to start your day? You know, we always make sure we start with the fruit and veggie. All right. Well then how do we also make sure that you got protein? <laughs> she wants a candy bar. I want to make sure she got protein in her. What do we do? Built bar, cookie dough, chunk puffs. They are ridiculously delicious. And so you want to go to built.com you want to go to built.com. I promise you use promo code locked 15. That's L O C K E D one five and get 15% off your order. That is promo code locked 15 at built.com. Go get these cookie dough chocolate puffs. They are everywhere in my house for whenever we need a snack. And when you go, tell them grandma Myrna sent you. So I've had the privilege of covering Sylvia Fowles for the majority of her career in Chicago and then when she came to Minnesota. It was interesting to hear her reflect. Syl has so 
been focused on the here and now. And so she's finally getting a chance to think about what the future could bring. Uh, she is just a delightful human. She's been a critical part of what the culture has been in Minnesota, why Minnesota year after year gets to the playoffs. Uh, we'll be back in a few minutes to talk about how that still might happen here. Uh, but first, let's hear a little more from Sylvia Fowles. This is Locked On Women's Basketball. It isn't, it, I mean, the most important thing, though, is maybe the respect of your peers. And I think it's pretty clear that you have that. Mm -hmm. I think Coach called you one of the most beloved players within the league. So, I mean, I guess where it matters in terms of respect, you, you feel like you've had, you've had that? Yes, uh, I, most definitely. I think the players acknowledge a lot. Um, and I'm very grateful for that, too, uh, because you can get a, a group of women who don't acknowledge your success, but I think that's what one thing we do have in the WNBA. Like we do, um, make sure we celebrate everybody's success and make sure everybody's been heard or seen. We'll go over to Charles. Go ahead, Charles. Good afternoon, Sil. How are you doing? Hey, how are you? Doing fine. Uh, Non-basketball question: Your community work has not been as talked about as much as your basketball work. Uh -huh. But can you talk, speak to our readers about? That and how much, what's your legacy you want to leave behind? Oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> community work. Um, I like that it goes unnoticed. I'm, I'm just like, it's, I'm, I'm the same way in the community like I am on the court. Like, I don't want the limelight. I don't want the publicity uh, because I do it from the heart. And I feel like when those things have to take notice to media, they sometimes get, you know, fluctuated a little bit. But I'm just as active in the, as I am in the community, as I am on the basketball court for the Lynx. Um, I'm a big advocate of cycling. I'm a big advocate of kids and learning and food. And so those things that I'm passionate about, I just make sure I try to get out in the community and pass those things along to everybody else. My last and, question, I'm sorry, I didn't want you I was gonna say, as far as my legacy, I get back to you on that. <laughs> well, my last question is this, uh, Begin the season. You didn't want to do all this this final tour kind of business. Um, you almost near the end of it. Is it has it got more comfortable for you, or you still don't want to do it? No, it has not gotten comfortable. As a matter of fact, it's gotten worse. <laughs> it's gotten worse. But I would say, through the mix of it all, um, I do appreciate uh, the love and the support that I've been getting in every city. Um, it's definitely fulfilling knowing that you have true fans behind you that's been there from day one and that acknowledge the things that you've done throughout this league. So that makes you feel good, yes. Thanks, Phil. We'll go ahead over to Jack. Go ahead, Jack. Hey, Sil, I hope you're doing well. Um, do you feel as though you've had to become more of a teacher in these last few years, especially playing with, with so many young players? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> and, and with that what what do you think the most important thing that you've tried to teach some of your teammates is like if if you could see you know players two three four years from now that you've taught do one thing what do you think that one thing is that you'd like to see uh put yourself in other people's shoes um i've been spoiled to be in this group where we was like a world old machine for so long and so to have these new people come in and new people leaving and trying to figure out like what they groove are, or how can you talk to them or when can you fuss at them? I think been the most difficult part for me 
But at the end of the day, it's always about putting yourself in somebody else's shoes because they see things from a different perspective. And not everything have to go your way too is something that I also learned. Uh, and, and with that, like, how do, how do you think that putting yourself in other people's shoes, you know, helps you become a better player on the floor? Um, because you always want to be a sponge. Uh, I don't feel like I know everything. Um, I know how to do the things that I know how to do and I know how to do it the way that's good for me. Um, and so just making sure like they find ways to do things their way, but also get the job done. And so seeing what they're thinking, what they see and how, how they think they can pass me the ball, uh, what they see in when they're getting defended and they can't pass me the ball. How do you want outlets, like things like that. So making sure you're talking, but at the same time, also leading by example. Thank you, so appreciate the time. No problem. We'll go over to Doug. Go ahead, Doug. Hey, sweet Sil, always good to see you. Thank you, Fresh. So to piggyback off Charles' question for a minute here, I know you have a game before Friday, but I mean, are you excited for Friday being the finale? I'm sure Minnesota's going to do some nice things for you, or you want no part of that and like you just want to play a game and try to get your team into the playoffs? Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a combination of everything. I think I just have mixed emotions about this being my last regular season at home. Of course, I want to have fun and focus on like trying to get a playoff spot. But at the same time, too, you want to be respectful of like the people that's coming out to support and who's been supporters and who just love like me and my game. So, of course, it's going to be emotional. But for the most part, I'm just looking to have a, a good time and let my emotions flow. So whatever I feel, I'm just going to let it just flow out. Thanks. I appreciate it. No problem. Go ahead, Christos. Hey, Sil, hope you're doing well, first of all. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to ask you, during your career, what bas what the basketball gave to you and what would you like basketball? Um, basketball gave me the opportunity to travel, uh, to make money doing something that I love doing. Um, and it's also given me a sense of like who I am as well. Um, it's not easy being an elite athlete and having to deal with different people and get different things thrown at you. So it makes you grow up real fast and realize who you are. And also for you, showing the young players to be like you, to follow your, your own path, what was the biggest sacrifice that you did and the biggest reward during your career? Biggest sacrifice probably was leaving family. Um, and happened to play year-round for 11 years and missing out on everything that I considered home. And that was family. Um, but sacrifices paid off. I wouldn't be here today if I didn't make those sacrifices. We'll go over to Mark. Go ahead, Mark. Hey, Sylvia. This is uh, Mark Stahl with the Miami Times. Uh, congratulations on a stellar career so thus far. Uh, my question to you is is more so your plans. Do you plan on on getting into ownership? And have you ever thought about considering reviving the Miami Soul as a WNBA uh, organization? Uh, Mark, you're way too nice. Um, when I'm done, no, I want no parts of basketball. I haven't thought about anything ownership wise, and I say that because you sacrifice so much for so long. Uh, dealing with basketball, I just want to have time to be somewhat normal. And normal is not dealing with basketball unless my kids so happen to play one day. <laughs> Thank you. 
We'll go over to Scott. Go ahead, Scott. There we go. Oh, someone who doesn't know, unmute. Hey, Sylvia, how are you doing? Hey, how are you? Good to see you again. Uh, I have to ask you about uh, your your roots. Uh, you know, in terms of the college game, what did what did your years at LSU help you do to prepare for this long career uh, that you've had uh, in the WNBA and internationally? Um, just always been in the best shape possible. Um, I think we had some really good coaches, some really good strength coaches that help you micromanage, like how to get through things physically and mentally. And I think my whole four years at LSU, I had really good people around me to, to par- prepare me for this moment. And also, uh, Pete Maravich just got a statue as at the Assembly Center. A statue for Simone is on the way. Do you ever think about, would they ever put up a statue for you? And would that would that be great? Would that make you feel kind of self-conscious? How would you, how would you feel about something like that? I think that's something you have to ask the people at LSU. <laughs> Uh, we'll go over to Kent. Go ahead, Kent. I'm sorry, I didn't lower my hand. I, I got what I needed. Sorry, Sal. Uh, any more questions for Sal? Oh, go ahead, Pat. So, Sal is obviously willing to entertain the idea that this is her final week, but this may not be her final week. Uh, something I love about her Sylvia Fowles is, is twofold. And it's within those answers that you heard early on, Nafisa Collier wanted to come back because she wanted to come back. She's a basketball player because she's relentlessly focused. We're lucky to have her in the league. We're lucky to have so many in the league. That's why when we think about what the lead is going to be without Sill, without Sue Bird, without so many. There's always more stars coming. Uh, women's basketball is going to be just fine. It always going to be just fine. We're going to miss Sill, but it's going to be just fine, right? But Fee wanted to come back. She wanted to play with Sylvia Fowles. There are a lot of stars in this league I could name where young players are not doing everything they can to get back to play with them. But you want to play with Sylvia Fowles. And so she did, and she made it back. And so this Minnesota Lynch team is a better team, a much better team with Nafisa Collier, who is, and we'll talk about this as an argument for another day, a top 10 player in this league who's underrated. But anyway, we'll plenty of time to get to that. But what was Sill's response? Sill's fighting through a bad knee. Sill's trying to get to the playoffs. You know Sill wants to win. She wanted to make sure Fee was okay first. She was pushing back on Fee coming back to say, you know, take care of yourself. Because that's also who Sylvia Fowles is. And says everything to me about her. So let's hear last bit from what Syl had to say. I also want to thank all of you for making us your first listen every day. Uh, There is also, I mean, this is interesting. I found out a league, it's called the NBA, the National Basketball Association is apparently... Uh, it's for men to play basketball. And uh, I heard there is a team in Minnesota, right where the great Sylvia Fowles uh, plays her, her basketball. Um, now, they're obviously not as good as the Lynx or anywhere close to as successful as the Lynx, but they're called the Timberwolves. And apparently they play uh, during the Lynx offseason. So, you know, check them out. And if you want to know more about them and the other, oh my God, 29. NBA teams. Wow, that's that's a lot of teams. 
maybe the WNBA should take a page, uh, get up to date on your latest rumors in the NBA on just 30 minutes every day. Locked on NBA, your daily NBA update in 30 minutes. And now back to the end of Sylvia Fowles. Was that me you called on, Laura? I'm sorry. Um, Go ahead. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm kind of intrigued by what you just mentioned about the strength uh, the strength coaches at LSU. I'm wondering how, because one thing that probably doesn't get to talked about a lot is how tough you are, uh-huh. um, how, how you play through injuries and, uh, you know, like you're doing now. How long into your career did it take you to figure out uh, – the difference between pain and an injury and how do you, when it's 50, 50, how do you determine when you go out there? <laughs> um, it took me into about 2017, I think, uh, to figure that out. Uh, Chuck and I had to have a, a long sit down after that season about like what hurts, when it starts hurting and when do I say something? <laughs> so, <laughs> and so I'm still figuring that part out, but I also think too, it just goes back to how committed I am. Um, if I commit myself to, to playing in some, in the season or in whatever season, um, I try to live that out. I, I stay true to my words. So if that means playing through injuries, if I can play through injuries, then that's what it is. Okay, because obviously this year you've had, I mean, the, the knee's been problematic on and off for a while. Yeah. And, and on a given night, I mean, how do you know it's, how do you know you can play and be effective? Um, I think we've been micromanaging a lot of like my practice time and stuff like that. And so I really do bare minimum at practices and just so I can be ready for games. But it all depends because I still have my good days and my bad days with my knee. Uh, but it's also about how far can you go out and push yourself before you be like, all right, back up. Okay. Thanks, so. Thank you. We'll go over to Jeff. Go ahead, Jeff. Hey, so a, a lot of the talk before the season started and even throughout the year was about sending you out with a championship. And uh, obviously there's a ways to go here with, with about a week to go. Have you allowed yourself to mentally go to that headspace that Sunday might be it if you don't make the playoffs? <laughs> I guess because my thing coming into the season, like I just wanted to play. And I didn't think about myself coming in here and sending myself out on a good note. My biggest thing was how can I teach my teammates uh, how to deal with Cheryl, how can they cope, um, how could they be good teammates to each other. And I think that was my biggest thing coming into this season. But personally, I wasn't thinking about playing in the playoffs or making it to the championship. My thing is, how can I be a great teammate and pass on the knowledge that I've learned over the last couple of years throughout this league? We'll go over to Joe. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I'm still, I was just wondering, uh, basketball has been such a big part of your life for so long. Have you thought of what life is going to be like without basketball? Mm, no, I haven't thought about what it'd be like without basketball. Um, I just take it in stride. <laughs> uh, I got things planned that I want to do, and I want to travel a couple of places. Uh, but we shall see where it takes me. We'll go over to Darren. Go ahead. Hey, so have you thought about what your career would have looked like if you never landed here in Minnesota via a trade and just what has being a part of the Lynx meant to you? Um, I thought about it a while back early when, before I got here to many, I mean, once I got here to many, I don't know what my life would be like because I remember 14, I had my hip repaired, 15, 
um, I decided to leave Chicago and second half of 15, I got here. But honestly, at that point in time and in, in 15, I was thinking about retiring and I'm glad that I didn't. So yeah, life without being a Minnesota Link probably would have been without two championships in the MVP running 17. We'll go over to Michelle. Go ahead, Michelle. Yeah, so I was wondering if you could say what thing might be the best you've seen change in the WNBA in your time and what thing are you still most frustrated hasn't changed or isn't changed enough? Uh, best thing I would say probably changed throughout this league is them trying to treat us like elite athletes and professionals. Um, you can tell that they constantly making strides to try to make it better. One thing that frustrates me the most is probably travel. I still get frustrated with traveling. And, you know, you mentioned earlier in terms of recognition, you're a MVP, two-time finals MVP, four-time um, defensive player of the year, I think 10-time all defensive player, I think seven-time all WNBA. Do you feel like you've gotten the recognition from rewards or from awards, or would you, do you feel like that hasn't quite measured up to your career or has it been more a matter of endorsements and public acclaim, things like that? Like, how would you sort of define that? I mean, I think the awards speak for themselves, uh, but I think just publicly of how the league do things, um, I think we can market certain players better, if not all the players better, but I feel like they still have a core group that they choose to to market and I don't understand why if you have a league of 144 players why not market everybody thank you go ahead Jace so what was it about Minnesota that restored your um I guess love for the game career whatever whatever it might be what what kind of flipped the switch I guess to get things back on the right track here um outside of like my teammates just having a coach who understands me um, I can recall talking back to Cheryl before I got here. And one of my biggest things was don't bullshit me. Um, give it to me straight. When I'm not doing my job, let me know that I'm not doing my job. And she also wanted the same in return. And so I think throughout my years here, I think that's why I've been so successful because I have that open dialogue with her and I'm allowed to say whatever I need to say. And she's allowed to say whatever she needs to say without it being any hard feelings. And then we're still obviously in, in the heart of it, but do you are you happy with the decision you made um, before Absolutely. this season to come back here? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. If I had a chance to do it all over again, I would. What's been the best part of this final year here? Uh, the best part of this final, <laughs> the best part of this final year is just figuring each other out. Um, everybody loves when everything is going good, but when when stuff hit the fans and it's not so glamorous. Uh, you tend to like stray away from each other. And I think this group has done a really good job making sure we appreciate each other and that we got each other back and holding each other accountable has been one of the biggest things for us. That kind of seemed like your message throughout too. Like, I mean, Trying to have to. them take hold of your message. Yeah. That must mean a lot, I guess, you know, to like, you're trying to teach things and it really seems like they've learned that along the way. I mean, everything is not going to be perfect. You know, and like I said, I wouldn't expect that our season to go like this. But at the end of the day, I am grateful to be able to go through these challenges because I'm also, too, still learning about myself and how can I be better. We'll go over to Howard. Go ahead, Howard. So a couple more from me. Um, is it harder to walk away when you're still at the top of your game the way you are, or does that make it easier? Um, 
for me. I think it makes it easier. Uh, only because I'm leaving on my terms. Hmm. Um, I think if it was the other way around, if I had to be pushed out the door a little bit, it'd probably be hard, but I'm very content with the decisions that I've made. And I'm happy to look in what, to what life brings after basketball. So it's, it's easier for me. And then just the other part of it was you talked about excited to be doing normal things. And I guess I just wonder what's the most exciting normal thing, just a random thing in your day that you're going to be able to do now that basketball is behind you? Uh, traveling and being on my own time. Like mm. a lot of people get this false perception that, oh, you travel from here, you travel from there, but we're always on a time frame. And so to be able to travel to a city and be actually to enjoy that city, um, I think is what I'm looking more forward to. Thanks, Joe. We'll go over to Joe. Go ahead, Joe. No, okay. Did, did you have another question? No, I, I forgot. Oh, no worries. We'll go over to Christos. Go ahead. Shield, if you have, if you, if you have an, an ideal scenario for your last game, what would it be? Mm, win. <laughs> win in front of our home crowd would probably be my ideal situation. With your winning shot or winning block, maybe? Block, for sure. And also, are you preparing yourself for another one, Dunk? Um, I won't say I'm preparing for it, but if it happens, I'd be more grateful that it happened. Thank you very much. Thank you. Do you have any more questions for Sil? All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank I, you. Uh, will be Thanks, sure Sil. Recording. Thank you both. Thanks, Sil. Thanks, Laura. Well, that's it for today from us. I am Howard Magdal, founder and editor of The Next. We will be with you tomorrow for a very special episode of Molly Bolin Kazmer, a legend of the WBL. Don't know about the WBL? Want to know more about the WBL? You should. She joins us. You're not going to want to miss this one. I'm Howard Magdal, wishing you a wonderful Tuesday. Are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. <laughs>